Thanks, Tara. Good morning, everybody. That was a long passage. Good job. Uh, wow. If you didn't get an e-news from OB Joyful this week, that means that we don't have your email. So if you uh, want to take a moment on your way out, uh, there's some tables out there by the windows. You could drop us your email address. Um, that's all. You don't have to fill out the whole thing, but just so you know what's going on, and I'll throw a couple here. Greg, you can, like, be the guy to give them to everybody. No, come see Greg. Don't, yeah. Well, it is rather full today um, and probably warm, so thank you for bearing with us. Uh, wow, it's good to have all of you here. Um, I see some faces that I haven't seen in a little bit, so it's really nice to, uh, to be with you guys. Uh, this passage is one that we cannot even begin to scratch the surface of. Uh, I remember a speech class I had back, I think it was my freshman year of college, and the teacher said, well, and I was very uncomfortable speaking in front of people, and she said, uh, pick a topic that you're interested in. So, and then you can just speak on it. You're going to explain something from science to us. I'm like, okay. So, I picked the theory of relativity. (laughs) You know, uh, it wasn't going to be bad already. Uh, And it was terrible. And, uh, of course, I was totally nervous. I really didn't understand what I was talking about as much as I tried. Um, You know, there were no cliff notes of that, you know, then. And and so, I... uh, it, w- it was bad. This, I hope this won't be bad, but I do think that I feel almost a similar way in that there's so much in this passage that we can't understand because of not being, not sitting there or that we can't actually plumb without just a whole class, like several days to really get into what Jesus is doing. This uh, series that we're in is a series where we're looking at different women in the scripture, and each one of them points us to God. And when we see someone pointing us to God, magnifying God, and he is pleased with that, what we want to do is follow in their footsteps. And so we're looking at these different women to try to see what is it that they did? How did they live? What was the thing that happened or their interaction with Jesus or with God or with other people that drew them to the point where they magnified him, where they pointed to him? And then we can say, all right, let's, let's see if we can follow them in that. Now, This particular case is pretty unusual. Jesus does something early in his ministry that is just, it's unprecedented in, uh, for a Jewish rabbi to do anything like what he is doing right here. And I'm going to try to to show you that, but in this, one of the most iconic stories of Jesus interacting with someone, what we see is that this woman's life is transformed. Transformed. Her life goes from one thing, I think we call it indifference, to being on fire. Her life completely changes because of this interaction that she has with Jesus. And what I want to do is just walk us through, and I want to encourage you to think about the process that she goes through, this transformation that is really complete. We're going to see her go from indifference to faith to action. Now, she's in a great contrast to the disciples. I don't know if you noticed this when it, it almost uh, jumps off the page at you, but the disciples walk up on this scene, and they have been out getting food. They're like a Taco Bell. And they come back, and they're like, I've got your you know, beefy five-layer Jesus. 
and he's talking to somebody he shouldn't be talking to, and they're completely, they don't even know what's going on. The disciples have missed it completely. Jesus is on his game to the extreme. He has had this plan. He is doing this thing where he is reaching this woman in an incredibly special way. If you're a believer, then at some point, there was, in your life, different things happened that drew you to cross the line of faith. And I want to encourage you, if you are a believer, to be thinking about that time or any part of that, people in that process that led you towards him and, and got you to that point when you stepped over that line, right? Jesus is doing this with this woman. He's the last link in the chain with her, okay? Now, some of you, there are probably some of you in here who have not crossed the line of faith yet. We haven't said, Jesus, I know I need a Savior. I know it is you, and your death and resurrection proves that you are the Son of God. And I put my faith in you to, re- to renew and restore my relationship with God. Well, if that's you, I want you just to take a moment and just sink into the story, see where you identify with this woman. See where you see people or God interacting with you to draw you across that line of faith. So just observe Jesus at work. This is a beautiful story. And again, I'm not even going to scratch the surface. So I hope all of you will go much deeper than I can lead you to even right now. So three points. Apathy, awakening, and action. She goes from apathy to the spiritual awakening and relationship with Jesus to action. So let's talk about apathy. This is just another day, a tedious day in the life of this woman. Let me read you uh, from... John 4, 6, just the second part of chapter, of verse 6. Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman from Samaria came to drill, to, to draw water. Uh, I was in Africa a few years ago, and we were in a remote village, and I had gone with another friend of mine, who's a 6'5", 200-pound, 250-pound guy, he's a lot bigger than me, and uh, and we were at this well with some of our African friends in the middle of nowhere, and it's all surrounded by bush, and it's just a hole in the ground. And up come, or just popping out of the bush, come these African women with big jars on their heads. Now, I've never, most of the time when I get water, it's like I do this, you know, or pull the lever. Okay, these women have walked, we don't know how far, with these jars, and they set these, uh, their pots down. And it must have been kind of shocking for them to see these two huge white dudes standing there in the middle of nowhere. You know. <laughs> but they, it was cool. They let us help them uh, draw the water. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but it was a deep well. And I was like, I was like, okay, ladies, you can take it from here. But, uh, I mean, it was just this constant, like, we pulled and pulled and pulled and pulled, and you get a bucket out, drop it back down and pull and pull and pull and pull. And he gave me just a little bit of an insight into this, uh, the feeling of what this was because this was a hole that they went to and drew. This is an unusual situation, just like those women must have been shocked that, they, that there were these two huge dudes standing there. Uh, this woman would have been shocked that Jesus, this rabbi, and she can tell from his dress, from the guys that just left, from the situation that's happening, uh, that he is this kind of person. They're in the wrong place. They're in Samaria, right? She's home, but Jesus shouldn't be there. A Jewish person would go around Samaria, and many of you already know that they were, the Jews were so 
um, prejudice against the Samaritans, and they thought it was a right, just a right of theirs. They would go around the whole country, or the whole, uh, well, we'll call it a country, but they, Jesus decides he's going to go straight through it. It's the wrong time. See, going to get water was a social event. It was a thing that the ladies did together. But she's alone. It's the middle of the day, which would have been the hottest part of the day. So she's there with Jesus, just the two of them. This is an unusual situation. And really, in the eyes of most people, Jewish people in particular, this is the wrong place to be. And she was the wrong person. Not only was she a Samaritan, she was female and alone, but she had a morally questionable history, right? We know all that looking back on the story now, right? So all of the things about this meeting that they're having is, are very unusual, except if you're Jesus, because he seems to walk into these things, and he did this very purposefully. And I, I, most of you know that, but I hope you'll see it more and more. And they have this conversation, and uh, she starts it off by saying, well, why are you talking to me? After he's asked for water, she says, you, you shouldn't be. This is wrong. You, you're going against your whole cult, and I shouldn't be talking to you. And Jesus has this very interesting answer. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. This sentence from Jesus has confused me for a long time. I mean, why does he speak in the third person? Is this one of those passages where you've read it, or maybe even when Tara was reading it here, you were like, okay, skip to the next, you know? Because we don't understand why Jesus reacts in that way. We kind of know what the point of it was, the living water and all that. But why did he do this? Why did he say, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked me, or you would have asked him? Well, let's, let's look into this just for a minute, because this is a beautiful thing. She says, why would you ask me for water? I'm a Samaritan woman. You shouldn't be talking to me. And Jesus says, if you knew who I am or who who you were talking to, you would have asked him. Him, this third person pronoun, is the emphasis here. You would have asked him. It would have been even more unthinkable for her to speak to him first, right? It was odd for him to speak to her, but as a man, he could. And Jesus says, He wants to emphasize the fact if you knew who I was, you would have spoken to me, a man, first. You wouldn't have waited for me to speak to you. Think about where this is going. And then he says, if you asked me for a drink, I would have given you living water. Now, he he was intending to intrigue her, and he does. But what he's saying is that when you come to me, when you come to God, and you ask for one thing, what I have for you is so much more than you could ever imagine. Living water, overflowing. 
This is what Jesus has to offer. We, we're looking for a physical fix to what we need. And Jesus says, if you came to me and asked for that, what I have is so much more. It's a spiritual answer to your searching. And, and here's the big thing. And I, I don't think I can describe this quite right. He says, if you knew who I am, you would have asked me. Not just male. That was a big hurdle. But if you knew that I was God, you would have asked me. Now, that doesn't even make sense. Because if I think, if I found out somebody was God, I would run the other direction. Right? What happened is, he's saying, I am the kind of God. The God that you have been searching for, the God that you, that you know exists, is not one that you cannot approach. He's one that you can approach. Speak to him. Speak to him first and expect that what he gives is much more than you ever dreamed was possible. Now, knowing that, I live in a pretty shallow Christian life. Because I do know him, I do go to him, and I just, I don't drink of that water. I drink of the water that comes out of the well. The physical water. I'm trying to, trying to fill up my needs, get myself taken care of by what's right in front of me. But he has so much more to offer. Do you see all these hurdles? The hurdles looked like her to be one thing, but actually they, were, they weren't even there because he's the, he's the son of God. She could have asked him. Well, uh, this is where her interest gets piqued. She's gone from indifferent, like I'm just doing my job today. Surprise, there's, there's this guy. I don't know what's going on. I'm seeing his followers walk off to town uh, to do something, I don't know. And suddenly... I'm in this spiritual conversation and I'm intrigued. So she's leaving her indifferent perspective, her apathy, and she's moving towards this transformation or this awakening. So let's talk about that for a minute. Um, This is pretty interesting, I think. Two things about it. One is the meaning of living water, and two, to her anyway, and Jesus creatively uh, presenting to her who he is, proving that he is the Messiah. So uh, she, at, at first, she keeps it really grounded in the practical, in the physical, in the things that we can see. She says, well, sir, where do you get that living water? Because the well is deep. So she's trying to keep it, you know, at eye level. And he says in first four, verse 14, verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. He's getting this theological conversation rolling with her. And then she jumps in and she says, well, you know, sir, the Jews have a way to worship God down there in Jerusalem and they do it a certain way in a certain place. And I'm a Samaritan and because of my heritage, we do it a certain way in a certain place. And because of who I am, that earns me relationship with God. Now, if you were to read it, you wouldn't see exactly those words, but that's what she's trying to prove to him. She says, we have our way, and you have your way down there, and both of those things get us to God. See, the Samaritans, uh, they were focused on the first five books of the Hebrew Scripture, the Pentateuch, and then they took everything after that, they just disregarded. So all the stuff about David and Isaiah, all the Israel future, that's all out, okay? What happens here? is that uh, when, um, when, when Jesus interacts with this 
uh, with this woman, and he says, um, this is living water. And she says, well, I think you're talking about something spiritual, but I have a way to God, and you have a way to God. And then Jesus basically says to her, uh, nope. Uh, he says in verse uh, 23, the hour is coming, and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. He says, all you learned and all that you do and all that the people in Jerusalem have done is setting the stage for me to come on to the scene. And she says, you know, how about you give me that water? In verse 15, give me this water. I don't want to be thirsty. I don't want to come here to draw. So, he's starting to awaken her to this idea. But the second part of this is he's going to prove to her who he is. And you kind of have to understand some of the background to get this. He says, uh, what we need to know is that the, the Samaritans believe that the Messiah would know everything. So culture at that time was really difficult. Their, their world, their community was tough because the Romans had come in and were running that, that whole show. So they're suffering, they're struggling, and they're looking for relief. And so they're hoping for this Messiah idea that they've heard about and been taught about. One of his calling cards would be that he would know everything. So what does Jesus do? The next thing he does is he says, well, I tell you what, bring me your husband and let's talk some more. And she says, uh, well, I'm not married. So can I have some water now? And uh, he says, well, I know. You've had five husbands and the guy that you're with now isn't, isn't your husband. And this is when the awakening of her soul, I think, kind of goes into full force. Uh, if you look down a little bit further in verse 25, uh, she says, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. So she's saying, wait a second. I think I'm putting this together. That's what you just did. And Jesus said, I who speak to you am he. Well, just then the disciples show up. And if you remember that, they're confused at finding Jesus they're so confused, they don't even say anything. They don't ask any questions. They're just looking like, I think he needs to eat. Well, there must have been this moment of uh, kind of uh, uncomfortableness. So here come all these men. The one woman is there. Jesus is there having this really deep conversation. The water pot is there. And she has a moment to think while they're all just looking at each other. And at some point in those verses that, that isn't mentioned, she goes from thinking we're talking about physical water to spiritual water, that there's something totally different going on here. She moves from apathy and disbelief to belief. She's been introduced to Jesus, and she says, I know, this is the Messiah. Because what does she do? It's really neat that John points this out. It says she left her water jar in 28. 
She left her water jar. She left what the whole focus of the conversation was. I can take care of myself. And she went from apathy to awakening to action. And this is one of the greatest stories of inviting people to know Jesus that we have. She goes to town, leaves her her water pot there, into this community, and she's not exactly the person that's going to be somebody that people are going to be attracted to listening to, right? We know a little bit about her, and in that culture, uh, that was, she had a lot of strikes against herself. And she says, come, meet this guy. You remember what she says about him? She says, he told me everything I ever did. Why did she say that? He didn't tell her everything she ever did. That was a little bit of hyperbole. He told her enough, and he looked at her probably in such a way that she knew he knew everything. Right? And he didn't condemn her. And she ran to town and said, you got to meet this guy. Could he be the Christ? And here's why I'm asking you, because he told me everything I ever did. And they're like, wait a second. That's what we're looking for. And they went out of the town because of that. See, Jesus had this very specific plan to interact with her and her culture in the perfect way to draw her to him and to draw her people to him. The Samaritans, who were the least likely. Right? She's the first person outside of the disciples that he introduces himself directly to as the Messiah. Did you read that there with me? It says, I'm the Messiah. Now, if you're trying to convince people that this is true in that era, you know, when John's writing this, you would have said the disciples got it the whole time. They're like totally on board and they're back there cheering and praying and, and going, yeah, Jesus, we get it, right? Because they're his followers, right? No, his followers were completely out to lunch, we could say. And here's the first person he introduces himself to as Messiah, a Samaritan woman. If we think, let's say if you're a believer and you think that you are anything better than what that person, that Samaritan woman represented in that culture, then you're you're mistaken. Jesus has come across all the barriers on purpose. And if you're not a believer, he's doing the same thing with you, I believe, at this moment. Or you wouldn't be, I don't think, in this room. And it says, many people believed. What an awesome day that must have been. What a party. All those people leaving their water jars for the eternal water, overflowing water that Jesus has to offer. I'm going to close with a thought, but let me have the musicians come up, if y'all will. Um... So this woman lifts Jesus up by inviting these people who probably didn't like her to come and meet him by saying the one thing that would attract them. She just told them what happened between her and Jesus. No one can argue with our story. She said, this is what happened. I was here, I once was, and now, because I know him, I'm here. That's what she's doing with them. She's setting that example of action for those of us who believe.
I mean, there's just a simple understanding among everyone that she's broken. I mean, it was an unexpected day, y'all. Her typical water trip is being talked about 2,000 years ago with 400 people. You think she was thinking that was going to happen? Jesus is doing much more than you think. You may think it's boring and normal, but it's not when you're in a relationship with Jesus. So I want to encourage you, let's, let's leave the water bottle behind, the jar, the focus on the things that just meet our needs right now and turn our attention fully to the one who can give us living water.